how it looks uh, when we talk about demonic influences, everything as we go along here. So if I miss something today, you say, hey, why didn't he mention that? It's probably going to happen somewhere along the line as God leads us. But I think it's important, especially in our country today, what we're going through, um, uh, that we need to really look at, uh, look at these kinds of things. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about Satan. I know we say, let's not give him all the, I'm not giving him the accolades. We need to know about him. I'm, I'm sure some of the things I'm, I'm talking about, you're going to say, well, I already know that. But it's always good to have refresher, of course, on his activities in our world and why he is who he is. So that's kind of the direction that we're going to go today. I'm still kind of building the foundation as we get in the armor of God and those other kinds of things, uh, truths. So we're still kind of building the foundation. Last Monday, I'm going to pray first. Oh, gracious God, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for just uh, your presence with us. I pray, Lord, that you might use me through the anointing of your spirit to bring this message to your people for your glory, Lord, not our glory, but for yours. I pray for the anointing of your spirit will give me the words to say that your word will be be proclaimed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, I just want to add that uh, as we go through through, uh, these series, we're going to try to stick with the word of God as closely as we can. Because I know we all have our certain things that we believe in or whatever, and that's fine. But I want to make sure that it's thus saith the Lord as we go through this. Try to, try to keep it tight uh, uh, so we, we don't miss the truths that God wants us uh, to hear from his word. But last Wednesday, when I heard that a 20, uh, I think a 29-year-old Chicago police officer was shot and killed... And it was just a routine stop. A routine stop. I know, I'm sure you've heard the story, whatever. And, of course, these things are a festering going on all over our country. 29 years old. How do you explain murder to her grieving family? How do you explain how people can do such evil things? How do you explain that? We know this. That Satan is somewhere behind it all. And he's, he's pushing the buttons, and he's involved in all these kinds of activities. So this morning, I want us to look at more uh, of an understanding of who Satan is, our number one enemy. And we have, I have four points, and so we're going to start with that and to build. And for some of you who've heard this before about Satan, then stay awake because God had, always has something for all of us. You know, just when you think that you've heard it all, God says you have not heard it all. Because God is a wellspring of, of just wisdom, and how he, how he orchestrates all of this it just is an, is an amazing thing. My first thought is, why run from Satan? Let's look at 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8. Peter said, cast all your anxiety on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to to uh, devour. In verse 8, Peter said, Be self-controlled and alert. 
We need to be alert and watchful because of our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. But what a contrast from verse 7. If you go back to verse 7, Jesus longs to protect and take care of us. So we read 8, we need to go back to 7 just to see how awesome, awesome God is. And I set that up because I heard this story. Now, I don't really necessarily know. I would assume that it's true. Well, so I'll let you be the judge. A native African gave some advice. And I'm going to share this advice with you. He said, if you encounter a lion in Africa, the first thing you should do is don't run away. Don't run away. Because if you do, that's certain death. Because that lion will outrun you. Then he said, what you must do, you must be calm. (laughs) You must be calm and look brave. I mean, really? Look brave. And then he wasn't done. And then he said, then you have a stare down with that lion. It's eye to eye in the lion. If this works, he said, the lion will, will, will stand down and eventually run away. If it doesn't work, then you better have your spear ready to thrust in him when he attacks. Now, I share this with you because in, so many, in some ways, this advice is practical for those who are being confronted by the devil. You know? We're called to to face him. Don't run away in Christ. Face him and be strong. You know, verse if you go on to verse 9 of 1 Peter, talks about talks about uh, resisting the devil, standing firm in the faith. Then you go to James uh, 4 7. He says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We don't fight him with a gun or a spear, but we fight him with the weapons of faith. Many Christians just don't take Satan seriously. Do you believe Satan is literal? I think most of us, if I said, could have show of hands, I think most people would probably raise their hands. Unfortunately, so many people take Satan as only a symbol of evil because they just don't know enough about him. Consider this, Satan's goal is to make us believe that he doesn't really exist. So he's accomplished something that people say, oh, no, 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 no. There's not a real devil out there. That just made up what's a myth or whatever it is. And Satan said, well, I've won. Satan is saying, I've won because he does not want us to believe that he really exists. Remember this exchange between God and Satan. Job 1.7, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. 
No doubt Satan is alive and active, and he's going in and out of our, of our lives. He does it every single day. You have a weakness, he knows it. And he's going after that weakness. Every Sunday morning, we get in the car. If it's in the summertime, we're driving to, you know, to church. We have people mowing their lawns, doing this. We pray, well, maybe they're going to Saturday night church. Really? Maybe some are. Why go to church? You know? Wasn't that song last Sunday horrible? You know? Why, why go there? You know? And that pastor, my goodness, he, he's so old. He should be in the room. Or the people aren't friendly. They're terrible. You know, they don't show the love of Christ. See what he does? He has so many resources at his resources that he wants you to believe that he doesn't really exist. What's happened to me really is not, oh, it's just a coincidence. How many times have we heard that? So, and I think he's working overtime in churches. Satan's goal is to create conflict in churches, in boards, pastors, whatever. And some churches, and here's, I'm really off, going off the rabbit trail in this one here, but we hear so much of burnout in ministry. And I think part of that burnout, pastors, they put their heart and soul, I hope they do, in what they do, and they don't seem to get anything in return. No, I'm not talking about me. I'm cool. I'm good. You people are good to me, so that's not the problem. But unfortunately, many churches, that's not the case. And they build up, and when they don't feel appreciated, that builds up resentment. They're human beings. You know? And when, 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 when resentment comes, man, that can just drain your energies. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. When you feel that you're being trampled over or whatever, or if you're a boss and you feel that you, your people are just, are just ragging on you all the time and think you're a lousy boss, a lousy leader, or whatever, that will weigh on you. That's what Satan wants. He wants all of us to be discouraged. He wants pastors to leave their ministries. That's what he wants because he does not want God being honored and glorified. That's his number one goal, is to keep you and me away from God. And he finds all these tools to do it, and he does it extremely well. I don't like the look of the stage. I do. I just want to say that. Well, so, I think it's terrible. So we're going to do, go someplace else. I don't like the way this, the seating arrangement. We're going to go someplace else. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, who's behind all of that? Somewhere I think Satan is. Because he is the great, I call him the great discourager. Resist him. Peter says, resist him, and he will flee from you. Christian, that's, you, you, we have the darkness, and then we have the light. You know, Peter said, the reality is Satan is alive and well today. But the good news is you need to resist him. And young people, understand this. You are included in this. You have more pressure today than ever. I firmly believe that. Been on this planet this long. I can remember when I was 18. Well, barely. Yeah. All right. 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. 
We had problems, yes, but not like problems you guys have today. You guys are amazing what you go through because you have temptations we never dreamed of. We didn't have computers back in my day. You know, what do I see? I see people on their, their phones, their, all their mechanical things or whatever they do, social media things. You have access to so many things, and that access also includes evil. There's bad stuff that our young people are viewing day in and day out. And that bad stuff is transformed over to the adult world as well. Who's behind all of this? God can use things for good, but Satan will use things for bad. Your car is a good thing, but your car can be a deadly weapon. Good, evil. You know, it's there. So, how are we doing so far, Jimmy? We're hanging in there? Okay, we're going to move on to, um, to number two. Where did Satan come from? And I'm going to be reading from Ezekiel 28, verses 14 through 17. And I think I'm going to add also 12, and then we skip, and skip, skip to 14. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Verse 14. You were anointed as guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And, you're corrupted, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle before kings. Here the lament God inspired Ezekiel to pronounce over the king of Tyre contains a series of of really a metaphorical references for Satan himself. Are you with me? Satan's original name was what? Lucifer. What does Lucifer mean? Morning star, shining one. Satan came from heaven, period. That was his original place. He was created by God in verse 14. You were anointed as the guardian cherubs for I so ordained you. He was the chief what? Cherubim. The highest order of angels and had access to the throne of God. According to verse 12, he was the model of perfection. Full of wisdom, full of beauty. Verse 14, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Lucifer was created as one of of the superstars in heaven. But his stardom burnt out. Let's go to Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. 
You have been cast down to the earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountains. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you brought but you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit. As you read chapter 14, it speaks of the fall of Babylon. Verses 12 through 15 put high and mighty Babylon in the category of Satan. This is about Satan and how one country basically, you know, how could you tell the difference between, between the two? But listen to verse 12 again. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to earth. Satan, like Babylon, went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Satan committed the cardinal sin of thinking that he should be sovereign above the stars that he should be worshipped, that he should, he should rule, he should be the man, he's the one. Well, that's what he, that was his thought, to rule, be ruler of the universe. Then verse 14, I will send above the tops of the clouds, I will make myself like, what, the most high. Satan is so egotistical that he continues to subvert God's plans. Friends, our country is beginning to look more and more and more like ancient Babylon. This in itself, you could, you could really craft a sermon series just on that. You could take a look at ancient Babylon, and then you could look at United States, our country today, and the parallels are staggering. It's really amazing. So who knows, maybe we can do, do a series... Of, because then we could talk about really what's going on more and more in detail with our world today and how as it compares to ancient, ancient Babylon. But it's ugly. Today, many are trying to erase God from, and his influence from our historical traditions, you know, and even subjects taught in schools. Our leaders in government, I'm talking about both sides. Our leaders in government are basking in the glory of their fame, their power, and corruption. As political hatred abounds. I never thought that I would live to see what's going on in our world today. I never thought in a million years. I cannot, in my own mind, I cannot, I cannot see how a country can be so fractured by its leaders. You know, right now we can say, if I'm a Democrat, I can say, whoa, look out there, the blue sky is beautiful. But if I'm a Republican, I say, oh no, it's not. 
You know, it's dark, it's cloudy, it's this, it's that. They can't agree. One is constantly blaming the other. And they're, they're good things, I'm not saying, on both sides. But come on. You see it and I see it. We live in a different world. And guess who's pushing those buttons? Satan loves this. He loves this. And I don't get too political, but my goodness, if I'm China, i got to say, look what we're doing to the United States, and we haven't dropped one bomb. We gave them the virus, and it did come from them. People debate that, but it did. And they, and they just stepped aside and watched it work. How we are destroying ourselves, and we are beating ourselves up each and every day. How many times do we get on the news? I say, I got to get away from this stuff because it's making me sin. You know, one day we're blaming this person, then that policy, then that policy. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just saying that's what we do. It's blame, blame, hatred, hatred, hatred. So who's behind this? Satan. But listen. Listen to this. This is the warning. This is a warning to Babylon, and it's a warning to us today. When a country moves away from trusting God, when they move away, that country consists of people. We, the church today, right? The church today is in a downfall. It's not. You know, we say, wow, we are growing. Praise God for that. But overall, the church is in decline. We can say, well, they're doing at home watching. Hey, People aren't trusting God like they used to. They see God, so many people seeing God as a God today, they are interpreting God according to their own terms, according to the culture of the day. And that is wrong. That's not the God of the Bible. So if people or a country, listen, if a people or a country, they keep, uh, once they, they lose their trust in God, once they push God aside... Once they do that, then all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put that country back together again. God will destroy it. No matter who we are, he is in control. He can't, I don't want to scare people, but we need to understand what's going on here. Don't we? All of a sudden there's silence. Did, did I say something wrong? Yeah, but really, and, and we will be, and God is warning us. He's warned us through his word. He's given this Babylon, say, look it, can you find Babylon right now? That ancient town, the ancient uh, city? It was buried. It was buried. God is saying, it doesn't matter. I hear people today say, well, listen, we're so big and we're so powerful. No, these problems, nothing can take us down because we are this, we are that. Well, guess what? God can bring us down just like that if he wants to. And we're heading that direction. We're heading the wrong way. We're not heading north. We're heading south. And, you know, I say, oh, gloom and doom. This is supposed to be a gloom and doom. The sun's out or whatever. And this guy is preaching this bad stuff. I'm trying to preach you what's going on. And you know it. I'm just confirming it. We just need to be under the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 15. 
But you will, you will be brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Once Satan is finally brought to his knees, he will be no more. We're not there yet, are we? Okay, why did Satan fall? Uh, let's look at Ezekiel 28 again in verse 17. I'm looking at 17. I call it 17a, 17b. 17a. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. Satan, Lucifer was, was not created as the devil. Do you believe that? He was not created as the devil. He became Satan because of his own prideful heart. Listen, Satan was created in a perfect, sinless atmosphere. That's, and, and the devil, the devil, there wasn't a devil or evil to tempt him. So how did Satan fall? He was created with the freedom, the freedom of, listen to this, freedom of choice. God gave him the gift of choice. And we are given that same gift of choice. Each of us has been given that wonderful option to choose between good and evil, right and wrong, to say yes to Jesus or to say no to Christ. Ezekiel 17 reminds us that Satan, the anointed one in heaven, was determined in his corrupt heart to elevate himself above God. So God cast him out of heaven. We could say, therefore, that pride was the first sin ever committed. All he did this all because of pride. He wanted to be like God. He had it all. He was so gifted. But he wanted more. He wanted to be like God. That was his downfall. And since then, guess what? Look at us here today. You know, what's one of the main movers in our sinfulness? It's pride. Pride for whatever, whatever it might be. So therefore, it doesn't make sense that Satan would use, tempt us with his same weakness, his same weakness of pride. Number four, Satan's power. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They will perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Paul moves into the future when Satan, the lawless one, will be portrayed as the counterfeit Christ. He will profess to be God with all of his signs and wonders and miracles. Satan is super smart. He's seductive. He's persuasive, he's imaginative, he's destructive, just to name a few. You can add to that. Again, I believe he's the one who's pushing the buttons in our world system. Yes, he has mega strength, he has mega power, and we cannot fight him. We cannot fight him with our own power and strength. We will lose every single time. So how do we fight him? In the name of Jesus. 
You call upon the name of Jesus. For those of you that have done deliverances, you know what I'm really talking about. You do them in the name of Jesus because we are not powerful enough to fight him. I've shared this with you, but I think it it came to my mind that I'm going to share this with you of talking about Satan's power and how real it is. My pastor mentor has really a strong gift of deliverance. And he's, he's been called to do deliverances in Clinton, Iowa. Uh, he lives in Fulton, Illinois, whatever. And in Clinton, Iowa, it's, uh, it's infested with witchcraft. And so Wayne has gone in and has worked and doing deliverances in, within the area of witchcraft. So he was called into this one house in Clinton, Iowa, and so Wayne had his, his best friend with him. And his best friend was, had come to know the Lord, was really excited about his faith, etc. So Wayne says, why don't you come with me, and we'll go to this house. So they go to the house, and Wayne knocks on the door, and the, the, the woman who had, was involved in witchcraft opened it up and started cursing him and his friend. He said, you are Jesus, people. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. So Wayne looked at his friend and said, let's go. Let's get out of here. His friend says, no, no, no. She is, you know, she's just so involved in witchcraft. We need to be, we need to help her. He said, no, we need to go and we need to go now. Friend said, no. He would just kept pushing back. No, no. We knew. Wayne said, she's not ready. She's not ready. So we just need to get out of here. So Wayne says, okay, you want to stay, you stay. I'm leaving. Wayne left. He stayed. True story. True story. At the end of the day, Wayne got a call. His friend, his friend was in Davenport, Iowa, in an institution. Why? Because George left that house. He went to Morrison, Illinois, and he rapped on a door. They opened the door. You know, these small towns, they do that. He opened the door. And they said, George just walked right in, never. He walked right in, went to a, a bedroom, opened, and they watched him as they called 911. He opened up the drawer, and he's sorting the clothes. He was gone, for, George was gone for six months, mentally gone. And he's fine before. See what I'm saying? This is real. And sometimes we want to deny it, or pastors and churches will deny Satan's existence, but he's real. But he wants these churches not to believe in all of this. This is all hocus-pocus stuff. But it isn't. It's true, and, it's, and it is real. Now, now that I've kind of scared you, and think, oh my goodness, I thought this was supposed to be a feel-good message, and, and how are we going to leave? Now I'm going to be looking for Satan in the, underneath the carpet you know, in the back behind the couch or whatever, the TV. TV's not going to work because Satan must be behind it, etc., etc. But my point is this. 
He has mega power today in this world. We can never underestimate that. He's got power, and he will use it. I've experienced that myself. Can I share one more story before we close? I'm going to try to cheer you guys up a little bit. This, at the beginning, this might not, but hopefully the end, the end will come, and be, you'll feel more comfortable. But I was in my church in, in Fulton, Illinois, and every Friday, I would meet with my brother, Wayne, and we'd pray. And we would pray in their fellowship hall. And there would be a table, chair set up. It was a fellowship hall. So one day, we're praying, and my brother, Wayne, is about as most joyful man you'd ever want to meet. This guy is just a riot. And suddenly, he was sitting, he would be right across, he, you know, right in front of me. My, I was faced the back, back where the boiler room was, et cetera, et cetera. And suddenly, we're talking and laughing, and, and Wayne's countenance changed just like that. So he was just like that, just changed. And he said, you have demonic influence in this church. And I looked, me, now I'm more the, you know, I'm more the Thomas, really. Well, what's he look like? You know, kind of that kind of a sarcastic remark. He's, no, he's, I'm, hey, I'm serious. He's, I just saw some go right behind you into that boiler room. And I, I believe him because he's my brother, but I didn't believe him. You know, I wanted, but I just didn't believe him for sure. So he prayed, he left. That afternoon, okay, five o'clock, as I usually do, Jason, I'm locking the church up or whatever. I leave my, and I went back to the washroom, et cetera, to make sure all the lights were out. So I'm walking back to my office, and suddenly the hair in the back of my neck just went. I went, what is going on here? And I started scooting like, uh, who was it? I don't know. But I started walking faster and faster because I felt a presence behind me that I never felt before. I'm not into this that point. I can walk through graveyards at night. They never bothered me as a kid. But I knew there was a presence there, and it was, it was, it was kind of after me. So that was my real first taste of a real-life demonic influence in my life as a pastor. I share that with you because, because it is true. However, Christian, now here comes the good news. We should not fear him nor his demons, but stand firm. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he, greater is he, greater is he. Who's he? Jesus. Greater is he who is in us than he who's in the world. Who's the he that's in the world? It's Satan. So we can call upon the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you feel that you're under some kind of, uh, of influence and it's not good, you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You call upon the blood of Christ and he will heal you. He will take care of you. He will do that for you. This message reminds us not to be afraid of spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. We're going to be talking about this for a while. Don't be afraid. Let the Spirit of God educate you in these areas so you will be equipped not only in your own life, but somebody else. Because God never wastes an opportunity. 
the more you learn, the more, once I got into deliverance ministries through my brother, I had to be prepared for that. If you are not prepared, listen, if you, you think this is trash, what I'm saying, you're not prepared. If someone comes to you and say, I need some kind of deliverance, something's going on, don't try to do it. Because you wind up like George. Your heart and your spirit has to be ready for any kind of deliverance ministry because if you're not, it can turn on you. I don't hear any amens. Amen, we're almost over. That's right here. Amen. So, so that's when it's to see that, that, that Jesus has Satan on a leash. And what he's doing, he's, he's keeping his power. Jesus is keeping his power under his control, under Jesus' control. So God controls all of this. So we don't need to be afraid. Young people, whatever, we don't need, need to be afraid. In the name of Christ, we don't. We can be victorious. That's the whole point of this. Satan is real. Satan is trying to harass us, yes. And he's doing a very good job in many ways, isn't he? But Jesus is victorious. In him we find victory. That's the whole point. So when we talk about these things, we know that it's real, and we know that Satan's out there, but we also know who's the victor, Jesus Christ. I'm not afraid, are you? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. But I also know that preparing these messages that God, that Satan is working on me. I know that. But let him. Because I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are covered by the blood of Christ. Don't be fearful. Don't be intimidated. If you say, I don't believe this is true, guess what? Satan's working on you. Because he does want you to believe that it's true. But when that happens, whatever you're going through, you call upon the name of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he will set you free.